How many of you are excited about having a creepy eye-weaking robot in your house doing dishes someday? I don't know. So kind of wrestling through that one. We'll, we'll see where this goes. Uh, well, hey, welcome. My name is Dave Maxey, if we haven't met yet. Uh, it's super good to be here with you. Uh, as Carolyn said, we are continuing in the, the closing of our series uh, on technology. This is actually a, a plan that we have throughout the entire summer, actually, what called uh, You Asked For It. And so we've taken some time to ask you guys, what are some things that maybe you're wrestling through, some things you would love to hear about? And we are spending the entire summer covering these topics. And this is week two of what does the Bible say about technology. We'll close uh, the technology piece out uh, this week. And so what we, what we have learned up until this point uh, is that God's creativity is the source of all human imagination. And uh, using that, that concept and that idea, we've actually, uh, Pastor Marvin shared on John Dyer's definition of technology, and here's kind of the, the basis of where we're going, that technology is the human activity of using tools to transform God's creation for practical purposes. And so sometimes we think technology is computer chips and, and it's iPhones and those kind, it's definitely not Androids, but it's iPhones in, <laughs> sorry, um, and even though computer chips are definitely technology, there's a bigger overarching picture of that is that God is creator. And out of God's creation, we are also his creation. We're able to transform. He's given this gift to transform the things that he has created that we might make things. And this is really the bigger picture of what technology is. Uh, we also landed last week on the idea that, that most of the time there's really four responses that we have toward technology. The first being denial of it. Uh, it, I, it it doesn't exist, right? It's not even a thing. I'm completely living under a rock somewhere. Uh, number two is a love for technology, right? We could hit this place where we love technology and we end up using people rather than the other way around. Number three, we could often have a response of fear, right? Uh, Creepy-eyed robots, boy, I don't know about that. Like robotic birds that fly across. I, I'm just not sure about that. I'm kind of, I want to stay far away from any of that, right? Uh, or lastly, it's this idea of response of, of resistance and revolution. Really, another way we could say it like this is looking at the, the technology, the transformation of God's creation in a redemptive way. Is there a way that we can look at the things that God has, has gifted us and, and change that in such a way that, that we would use it for his glory uh, and our good? Uh, one thing we don't get to do, though, however, is pretend that technology has no effect on our lives. And, you know, honestly, this is a question maybe you've wrestled with this just a little bit in kind of the, some of the teaching teams that we began to really just uh, process this idea. I kind of thought myself, I'm not sure if that's a, if that's a true statement. Like, is, technology is really kind of benign, right? It really doesn't have any effect. And yet the more we begin to dive in, the more we begin to process, uh, I believe that this is absolutely, uh, it, it's a true statement. Technology always has impact uh, in one way or another. Sometimes it's good, uh, sometimes it's, it's bad, but there's no place where technology is just simply unaffecting, right? It's something that has impact on us. And uh, I, I would make this statement as, as we begin, everything costs someone something. Everything costs someone something. And so uh, as we talk about technology, my first challenge for you and I as we kind of get to, to some real practical stuff today is I would like to, to give us a, a tool that would help us very practically count the cost of how we engage with technology, both to understand what that cost is as well as to understand uh, is it worth paying that price because sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. 
but there is a cost to everything, technology included. And uh, I, I want to begin this morning uh, by looking at what I think is one of the most provocative uh, scriptures in all of the Bible, one of the most provocative things in, in passages that Jesus himself said. Before we get there, we're going to be in Luke chapter 14. Uh, you can begin to turn there. And as you do, I would like to pray for us uh, this morning as, as we begin. Father, I just choose in this moment to, to just take a breath and just to, to acknowledge your goodness here to us this morning. Thank you for your, your allowing us to sense your presence, for uh, just the joy of, of seeing your hand at work as we partner with, uh, with people in our city, Lord, that, that just bringing your kingdom come upon this earth. Thank you for that, Lord. And God, as we, as we just look at your scriptures, we open your word, your, your holy word, your revelation of who you are and, uh, and what you've done in our place. Would you just show us what we need to know? Would you speak to us this morning? Would you uh, give us the grace of repentance where that is needed? Would you uh, encourage us and empower us this morning as we look at your word? In your name we pray, amen. So again, we're going we're gonna to springboard in Luke chapter 14, beginning uh, with verse 25. Uh, the context is Jesus is, is talking, he's, he's addressing the crowd that had gathered around him. The disciples, no doubt, were near him, and we know that with some of the other context. And beginning in verse 25, these, uh, these are what it says. Uh, now great crowds accompanying him, and he turned to them and said... If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, first things first, as we pause here for a minute, how many of you know this is definitely a phrase that is on the list of things you don't say right before you're ready to take an offering, right? And so, so Jesus is in this place. No doubt the disciples are kind of like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, why are you saying some crazy stuff like this, right? Like, it's, it's, it's hard to grapple and wrestle with if, if you don't hate your own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, even your own life. Now, the important part about this is, is Jesus is really doing a comparison here. His, the comparison is, in place of, of lordship, coming under my lordship. This is what he's saying. So he's comparing that, that word hate seems very, very strong, but in comparison to, to running after those things, he's saying, no, if you're not in a position where you would come and surrender under my lordship above all things in your life, then he goes on to say, you cannot be my disciple. And then in verse 28, for which of you Desire, uh, uh, actually, verse 27, we'll back up a little bit. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough uh, to complete it. Uh, otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all will see and begin to mock him saying, this man begun to build and was not able to finish. Or what king goes out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he has uh, with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple." And if we look at the original context of that word renounce, what he's really saying is, uh, by definition, if you don't formally declare one's abandonment or, or claim or right or possession to all things with, with exception of coming under the lordship of Christ, you cannot be my disciple. 
counting the cost. So uh, in high school, I came home from school one day and I kind of walked in the, the, the house and I couldn't find my parents and I looked around there in the backyard. I uh, kind of went around the backyard of the house, had this uh, 40 acres in the Shepherd area south of Mount Pleasant and looked out and, and uh, it was kind of an interesting little scene. There were stakes planted in the yard and there were string running around those stakes. It was a big giant rectangle. Uh, and I said, hey, you know, kind of what's going on? And, and my mom replied like, this is the, the house that we're about ready to build. This is the foundation markers for the, where the house is going to go. And then she handed me a shovel. I began to, to dig, and at first it was like, okay, I'm digging holes in the yard, right? We're digging inside this foundation, and, and one shovel, two shovels, three shovels. It was kind of cool at first, and, and eventually it wore off. It was not so fun anymore. And eventually that shovel full turned into an entire summer digging on a, a foundation as we began to dig. And at the end of that summer, the foundation was not complete. We had failed to count the cost of the amount of work that it was going to take. And, uh, you know, at one point I, I'm like, Mom, can we just rent like a backhoe or something like that? And Dave, you don't know how to run a backhoe. I know, but I'll figure it out. There's got to be a way. Like, come on, can we just get some machinery in here to do this? Finally, I talked my parents into renting what's called a bobcat. It's just a small uh, kind of a skid loader piece of machinery to dig with. And, and so we went, into, and went to the rental place, and, and they dropped the trailer with the bobcat on my dad's truck, and the bumper bent right into just like this had failed to count the cost of the weight of that bobcat on the truck that was not quite ready to haul it. And so, okay, a little bit more money, they'll deliver the bobcat to the house. Okay, had to, had to dish out a little bit more money, they delivered the bobcat to the house. And it didn't take too long, you know, a few controls, I was able to begin to learn how to, how to run the machine and began to dig and dig and dig and dig. And, and uh, somewhere we realized that we had just enough money for 24 hours with this machine and it was going to take longer than 24 hours it felt like to dig. So I continued to dig and I remember Somewhere about 2 o'clock in the morning, being so tired, I lifted a big bucket up. Instead of dumping it out, I dumped it forward right onto myself, completely covered in, in sand. We had failed to count the cost. Uh, that home actually took 15 years for us to complete, and not a single member of my family lives on that property today. <laughs> Counting the cost. Why would we care to count the cost of how we engage in technology? Well, the number one reason is because this is a discipleship issue. Following Jesus, being transformed by Jesus, being on mission with Jesus. This is what Jesus is talking about. If you are my disciple, everything needs to come under my lordship. Everything requires accounting of the cost and including technology, which we're talking about today. So the next natural question I would say is, well, then how, how do we measure the effect of technology in our lives? Just a couple points of clarity as we uh, kind of comb through this. Number one, if you're not aware, as I've mentioned this before, I'm uh, the strategic leader of operations here at Trinity. And so underneath all of the facility needs here at Trinity is the technology piece. So if there is a light, if there is a TV, if there is some type of technology in this facility, I have either had a hand directly with it or my team has had a hand in overseeing that. I am knee deep in the technology space. I, uh, I love kind of the cutting edge of things. And as long as budget, uh, you know, would afford when it comes to personal things, I would have the latest and greatest of everything, right? Uh, I love this uh, new technology that's out there. Google has some, some options where uh, not, not only can you go in and you can have some, uh, some automatic pictures drawn from AI, there's this new thing where you can go in and say, hey, uh, write me a song that has a violin and a tuba in it, and instantly it'll spit out the actual music, not just notes, like the actual song itself in just a matter of seconds, right? Artificial intelligence. I love being kind of on the cutting edge 
edge of some of the things that are out there. So I'm knee deep into this, but I've, I've also realized that throughout the years, there have been kind of some questions as I'm processing, how deep do I go down that road? What do I say no to? What do I not say no to? There's some questions that always just have kind of risen to the top in the way that, that I personally sort out the way that I should engage in technology. So my hope today is to really give us a, a, just a practical framework we could look at this as a, as a filter, if you will, in the way that we look at technology. But what I can't do is actually cover every potential technology that's out there. Uh, it's just impossible. However, this framework is something that you can apply and you can ask the Lord uh, and to give you direction using what is just simply five, five simple questions as we process technology to determine at what point you should engage in, in certain technologies. Uh, another thing that is important to say is uh, it's quite possible that the way the Lord would lead me in a, in to use a technology in a certain way could be different than the way he would lead you, and that's okay. Uh, we're not talking about relative truth here. We're talking about a common grace, and, and we're talking about a place where there isn't a, a Bible verse that says, thou shalt not use chat GPT, right? So there's, there's a place where we have to say, okay, Lord, what does this look like for me? These, these questions will give you a framework to determine that. Uh, and then also, it's possible that there could be different seasons of your life where the Lord would lead in different directions. Uh, the things that I, that I use today are, are slightly in a different way. Some things I don't use from a technology uh, standpoint today that I, that I used to use two years ago. So as we, as we kind of dive in, the primary goal is to be able to look at technology through a redemptive lens, to use this as a framework. Let me give you what the five questions are, and then we'll unpack them uh, as we continue. Question number one, as I engage in technology, what is the kingdom impact of this technology? Question number two, what is the impact upon my spiritual health? Question number three, as I engage in any level of technology, what is the impact upon my emotional health? Number four, what about, what about my relational health? What is this doing to my relationships? And then number five, uh, what might be the impact of technology on my physical health? And so these are, these are the lenses that have risen to the top for me. And, and you'll notice that as we begin to look, we'll talk about the first one. What is the kingdom impact uh, of any technology that I would engage in? There's no real yes or no answers when it comes to processing this, right? Uh, there's a lot of messiness. There's a lot of great things. You know, I just talked to a person uh, at the end of the last service talking about AI. We'll get, we'll get into a little bit more uh, in just a minute. But the idea of helping some with disabilities and the way that it can do like autocorrect and some, some things that, that are super helpful. There's some very powerful ways that we could say it's actually worth paying the price to use that. And then there's some ways that it's maybe not worth paying the price. As we, as we look at what is the kingdom impact, does my engagement or maybe my lack thereof engagement, does it make much of Jesus? Right, whatever, whatever I intend to engage in, how I'm using the technology available to you and I. As we talk kingdom impact, am I responding to technology through the lens of my own feelings? Maybe my own thoughts or my own processing? Uh, or am I responding to technology with the idea that I am called to be a disciple of Jesus, a light in a dark world? Is that the lens by which I'm, I'm deciding whether I should or shouldn't use technology at certain levels? Is, is technology another way we could think about it in the kingdom mindset? Am I, am I using it to, to bring more of God's rule and reign upon this earth? Or is the way I'm using technology, does it hinder that? 
Right? These are questions even as a, as a church, as a body of Christ, we can collectively ask. We can ask these as individuals. Maybe you've got a, a business that you want to be Christ-centered or, or a hobby. Whatever these things are, are we looking through these lenses? You know, just a, a couple things that have come to mind as I talked about kind of this kingdom space. There's actually been a resurgence recently of high-quality Christian media, namely uh, in some of the movies and in some of the, the different things that are available to you and I today, uh, some shows and things that just, just 10 years ago were just not out at a level that they are today. And as you just look historically, without, without kind of going through all the history of, of Hollywood and movies and some of the, the rise and fall of how some of these things have transpired, there has been a time historically where their believers have looked at what is happening in that space and said, you know what, that's, that's too much, that's too far, and I'm just going to step out of that, and I don't really want anything to do with that. And, and as we process through a kingdom lens, this would be one example of, and I'm not answering this question, is it plausible that, that some of the backing away from some of those things have created things that maybe are not quite as kingdom promoting today. I don't know. That would be a way that we could look through those lenses. Kingdom impact. You might be familiar in 1450, the Gutenberg uh, printing press was created. One of the, the notable things about the printing press was now instead of the Bible having to be handwritten over and over and over, we're able to get copies of the Bible mass produced at a level that we were not previously able to do. There was, a, there was kind of an early form of media, if you will. And yet the same technology, the same concept of, of making mass copies has also been used in a way that has not quite been kingdom promoting, right? And so you can kind of see the push and the pull. The, there, there's not always simple answers in some of these spaces, and yet we need to consider, first of all, what is, what is the kingdom impact of my engagement or, or refusing to engage in a specific technology? Number two, what is the impact of technology on my spiritual health? And, you know, I would, if you're anything like me, I would say that this is probably the one area that uh, I naturally consider the least. Uh, I'm so ingrained in just I love gadgets and I love to, to understand how things work. If I'm not careful, I would go through long periods of time and never consider the impact of any of the ways that I engage technology uh, on my spiritual health. And yet it is a critical question. It is, it is critical for you and I to understand uh, a couple questions to help kind of unpack this as we're processing. Is the way I'm using technology, does it stir my affections toward Christ? Or does it distract me from him? Does it, does it somehow maybe remove my dependency upon him? Or does it create more dependency upon him? You know, I've, I've had trips where I've gone to a friend's house or, uh, you know, maybe we've visited family on the other side. Inevitably, someone will say, oh, what, what highway did you take? What way did you take? Most of the time, I respond with, I kind of don't really know. I just followed Siri, right? Like I just said, hey, you know, how do we get there, right? In uh, the moment where I don't have my phone or Siri's not working for a minute, I got to really think about how do I get to where I'm trying to go, right? We can somehow create dependencies. I think sometimes we could do that spiritually as well. We, we could potentially be to a place where, where the technology is the thing we're enamored with and not the beauty and the awe of Jesus. I need to consider the impact of my spiritual health. Am I using technology in a way to see his beauty all the more or even potentially distract myself from silence and solitude and the practices that help me, help me know him in intimate ways? We could fall on either side of those, and this is just lenses by which we could process kingdom impact, spiritual impact. 
You know, I'm, uh, I'm teaching from an iPad right now, in case you're wondering. And, uh, you know, I, I do have a, a Bible up here, you know, good heart in case we need to. And, and at the same time, I noticed I'm, I'm just, a, you know, I'm a technology nerd. And uh, a handful of years ago, I discovered an app, uversion.com, Bible app. Uh, what I love about the Bible app, I uh, won't go into the backstory, the history, but I will say that that application has been downloaded millions of times, and it, it has allowed millions of people to have the Bible in their hands that otherwise would not, which I think is awesome. Uh, for, for years and years, I would use the Bible app in, in my time with the Lord in the morning. And, and I began to, a couple years ago, to notice a little bit of thing that would happen. I'd be, I'd be reading and I'd think, oh man, that, that is powerful. Let me just share that on Facebook really quick and I'd hit share and then, and then all of a sudden I'd, I'd look down and there's this video, it's like uh, neo-Nazi slaves abducted by aliens and forced into weight loss programs. Oh, that looks good and I'm, and I'm watching that, right? And 20 minutes go by and I realize, oh, like it's, it's time to go to work, right? And, I, and I've just blown 20 minutes on absolute nonsense. And I realized, you know what, I've got to change some things a little bit. Uh, I began looking for a device that was technology. I tend to lose pad and paper if I'm journaling or write things down. I, I, it's helpful to be in one place. And so I actually found just a digital paper tablet. Uh, it doesn't let me get on the internet. It doesn't let me text anyone. It just allows me to basically write in journal. I have a copy of the Bible on it. If I do circle something, I can send an email out, but I can't check my email. And it has been incredibly helpful for me to just stay focused on the things that, that the Lord is speaking to me in those moments. It's technology, and yet uh, processing, like, what is this doing in my spiritual health was really kind of what helped me get, get to that place where I, I don't want to just throw it out, but for me, I needed to use it in a different way, and I'm absolutely not saying anything against the Version app. That could work really well for you. But what is the impact spiritually? Number three, what is the impact on my emotional health uh, we can think in terms of this is how does my engagement or not in a specific technology, how does it make me feel? And this is important. Uh, as much as we would like to say, you know what, I just do what the right thing is just because it's the right thing and that's how I function. Most of us actually function first by how we feel. And we, we don't always want to admit that. Some of us are, are better at that than others. This is critical, bringing our emotions under the lordship of Christ and specific to the area of technology. Does it create a higher level of anxiety in me or a calming focus upon Jesus through his spirit? Do I find myself being full more of, of fear and shame and guilt? Does it add more stress or does it relieve it? Does it help me look more like Christ to others? Uh, or, or am I actually looking toward others or other things to find my value instead of the value that my Father gives me in Christ? Could I live without it? Now, I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that I'm some kind of super spiritual. Holy, you have to understand that these are questions that I use and I'm right in the thick of constantly processing this push and pull. Uh, you know, I, I found myself a couple of years ago realizing in some of the spaces that I'm just distracted by certain things. And, and uh, you know, I decided just to, uh, to take a little break from, from Facebook uh, over the Lent season a couple of years ago and, and I, to just reset the way that I use some of the, the social media and some of the things. And, and God has led me to do that at the time and season, that has helped me do a reset on the way that I use things now, uh, and it's been just a refreshing thing for me personally, and I'm not nothing against any of that, uh, but I'm, I'm fleshing these out as we speak, right? Uh, and so I, I, I might, uh, just as much as you, I'm asking these same questions. Could I live without it? Um, you know, if I forgot my phone this morning when I came in, there's a good chance I probably would have turned around and went home to pick it up. 
Uh, and the only chance I wouldn't is if I was able to text my wife Bethany off my iPad to say, can you bring my phone with you when you come to the 11 a.m. service, right? Uh, yeah, I know I got problems. We're, we're working this out together, right? <laughs> Emotional help, can I live without it? How does it make me feel? Is it creating more anxiety or less? Four, what is, what is the impact upon my relational health? Does it create deeper, more meaningful connections with others or less? This is a tricky one. Now, uh, I, I do a lot of things that are not part of my role here at Trinity. I help uh, other churches that need technology needs. I, I have an online workshop that I work in some recording, and I actually do some business outside of the space. I have relationships with people in that world that I would consider great friends, and I've never met them in real life. We have deep conversations. We have helpful conversations. There's real connection. Even, I dare say, a level of community. And yet, uh, that's not always the case. And there can be this tricky space where, is it, is it really real if it's not real, right? There's all these space. If it's not face-to-face, does it count? And yet, uh, we all know with COVID, some of us didn't have a choice during a certain season, right? Uh, and yet, there's something to do with this. What is it doing to my relational help? There's both a price at times that was willing to pay and a price that was not so great that we may or may not have had to pay? Does it create a deeper, more meaningful connection or less? Uh, A handful of years ago, uh, I was on Facebook and had a a brief post back and forth with a a friend of mine, and and he said some things that I just didn't agree with, and and of course, uh, you know, I had to let him know how wrong he was, and and so I, you know, typed back and forth, and you know, you're typing, oh oh, oh, my goodness, cats are definitely not better than dogs, right? You know, you look at, you kind of go through all those types of things, Uh, and what eventually led to just a disagreement that I just couldn't get on the same page with him, and so I did what you naturally do, is I just went and found his name and clicked block, right? Uh, Because when you block someone on Facebook, it's just like real life. That's how that works. (laughs) Not at all the case. Um, But I began to realize as I look back on that situation that I was allowing actually the the technology that I was using to, to hurt and hinder relationships. And I was getting to this place where there's this, this, this kind of anxiety or, or really this emotional rise would come up in me. And it would be both tied to my emotional health and my relational health. And I, I just, I had to let them know that they were wrong. And if I didn't let them know that they were wrong, that would be all I was thinking about. How could they think that way? Oh my goodness. Like in, in post after post after post. And at least a hundred times I changed all sorts of people's minds based upon my comments, right? No, that never happened, not even once that I can recall, right? And yet sometimes we still engage in that way. Uh, I would say that this is another place that parenting uh, for my wife and I, Bethany, is probably one of the biggest places that we're constantly saying, uh, is that enough? Is that too much? We're pushing and pull. My, my kids actually do school online, and so there's, there's a space where they're constantly exposed to forms of technology, and we're constantly kind of try to take a metric and a barometer of, like, is this too far? Is this too much? Is, is the iPad the new babysitter, right? Like, all of these things that we ourselves are also trying to process. So again, I'm walking through this uh, with us as well, but there is a relational cost to the way that you and I engage in technology. Lastly, what is the impact of technology on my physical health? 
You know, does it, does it help me take better care of my body? I've, I've had some uh, physical uh, goals that I've been able to achieve, and technology has been very much a part of that. Uh, you know, just trying to get some body fat down in, in some spaces, and it's been very helpful to, to have some technology. And yet at the same time, we know that, that looking at screens all day, uh, we know that just this motion right here, like I already have neck pain right here because I've been spending some time on, on YouTube trying to learn how to do some things with our new camper, right? And, and like we know that there's some things with posture and, and, and eye strain and, and some things that technology is actually causing and creating for those of us that are, that are constantly using those things, it actually has the ability to have a physical effect on our body. Emotionally and, and spiritually can also have a physical effect on our body in the way that we engage. And so as we look through these lenses, am I considering what is the cost of, of how I am engaging in the technology that way? So kingdom impact spiritual impact, emotional impact, relational impact, and then physical impact. Simple questions, but I think powerful as, as you and I process even in our own life. Let me just give you a couple just real world ways that I've, I've processed this. I've mentioned social media. Uh, and just the kind of the energizing of, of at one point it was energizing to me to look and say, hey, I've got a voice in the life of people from a kingdom impact that's really positive. There are some things that I can say uh, and, and people listen and hear and we engage in conversation and that's awesome and that's great. And yet there are some things, as I just mentioned, a relational impact that was, that was straining. There, there are some places that, how many know, it's, it's good in one sense that everyone has a voice, but it's not good that everyone has an equal voice in your life. There are just some people that don't have your best interest in mind. And you know what, I, I found myself in that place of, of just kind of this, this angst in the way that I would engage in technology. And so post taking time and a break from technology, uh, specific to social media, the way I use social media today is drastically different than the way I used uh, Facebook and Twitter and some of the other things that I still use to this day. Uh, and part of that was just saying, okay, I'm going to take a break from that. I'm going I'm to back up just a little bit. And Lord, like help me process these questions of what does that look like? It might be completely different in your life, in your walk, uh, but that, that's a practical one for me. Um, another thing I would say is, is this is interesting that we have learned, the American Psychological Association have learned from this, that U.S. teens, I'll read this article here, spent more than eight hours a day on screens, and they're now there's a growing concern over this. A new study published, but this is more recently, seems to validate it, and uh, we've got summer camp coming up for our, our young people uh, very soon, and here's what it says. Parents have experienced when their teenagers cut back, they seem to feel better about themselves. They've seen this when their kids return from summer camp where phones are not allowed. They seem to be more at ease and less moody. Wouldn't that be nice, right, as a parent? There's a tie that we're, we're seeing, like, this social media space. Now, I'm, I'm a grown man. I'm, I'm not a teenager. But yet, I was realizing some of the same things in my own life. And so I had to, I had to reorientate. And I used a break over Lent a couple years ago to say, okay, if I'm coming back, if the Lord allowed me to come back to, to Facebook, what does it look like? And it's very different. One last one. We talked about AI, artificial uh, intelligence. Uh, you know, I, I would say this, if, if you're unaware, uh, AI has the ability to, uh, to do things at a, an astonishing rate, both speed to answer questions at a, an astonishing speed, to, to program uh, programs and programming language, to do some things at an astonishing speed, and it can do it in such a way now uh, that it's virtually indistinguishable from a human being. 
I would back up and say that the advent of the new technologies of AI that are out now today are just as impactful and critical as the invention of the internet itself. And you may or may disagree with that. That's, that's all right, wherever you stand on that. But as we look at this specific issue and we, we process, okay, then what are the lenses to look at that how we use chat, GBT, and, and all the different things that are available, the kingdom lens, right? Uh, there's some things that we would say as a church, what, what does that look like? Uh, I, I asked the question, which is very natural, should churches use AI? Should churches use uh, some of the tools that are out there? I found this very interesting article. Let me read a little bit of it here too you in answer to this question. The decision whether churches should use AI is a complex and subjective matter. It ultimately depends on the specific content, beliefs, and values of the church in question. Uh, Here are a few positive perspectives to consider. AI could be used for pastoral support. It can be utilized in churches to enhance the pastoral care and support of congregants. Chatbots and virtual assistants can provide basic information, prayer support, guidance to individuals seeking assistance. They can offer resources, answer common questions, provide a sense of connection. However, it's important to remember that AI should not replace human connection and spiritual guidance, but rather complement it. And then I'll jump down to the end of this. In summary... The use of AI in churches can offer certain advantages in terms of pastoral support, outreaches, and communication. However, careful consideration should be given uh, to ethical implications, privacy concerns, and theological compatibility to ensure the integration of AI that it aligns with the values and the missions of the church. Now, I realize there was a lot of language in there. You may have followed some of that. Here's the interesting thing about this article. It was written by AI. I asked ChatGBT, hey, what does it look like? Should churches use uh, AI as, as part of their, uh, you know, their format? And, and it's interesting. So when I say there are certain things that can be indistinguishable, uh, we're at a place where we need a framework as we begin to process these things. What are the kingdom? What are the spiritual? What are the emotional, relational, and physical impacts in the way that I use technology. These are all things we want to bring under the lordship of Christ. It's a disciple-making issue. Uh, Pastor Marvin is going to come up right now and kind of continue this. We've we've created a piece of technology to help us in this disciple-making space that he's going to invite us into now. Thank you. Thank you, uh, thank you, Dave. Really, really uh, helpful uh, lenses uh, to look through as we think about uh, as we think about technology. And um, um, again, just just really, really significant that we take time, whether it's it is um, social media, whether it's your television, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, or whatever it is, whatever technology you're using, um, to be able to ask. How is it affecting me in these, uh, in these areas? Now, one of the things that we want to do as we uh, look forward to the new ministry year, but not just the new ministry year, but anytime, uh, anytime we're doing anything here at Trinity Church, we want to actually help you and help me, whoever is a part of Trinity Church, take their next steps towards spiritual growth and disciple-making. And one of the ways to do that is to find out where we are right now. And again, this is, this is super important. This is 
what we do already. We, if we want to make improvements in one area, physical, our physical health, we need to know where we are now. If we want to make uh, improvements in our relationships, we want to know where we are now. We want to make improvements in our finances, we want to know where we are right now. And so one of the things that, um, that really helps us is, is kind of taking an inventory of where we are spiritually and where we are on our uh, journey with Jesus. And so that's what we're inviting uh, you and me into in this, uh, in this time. So we've developed a, a free and very simple tool, and it really is um, your basic disciple-making checkpoint. That's trying to figure out where we are so we will know how to take the next step so that we can grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we're going to do that right now. We're going to do that right now. So what I want you to do, if you don't mind, is to take out your mobile device. um, And there is going to be a QR code on the screen. And there's a QR code in your bulletin. Uh, And we want to make it as simple as possible. We put a lot of hooks in the water so that you can either do it right there in your seat or you can do it. Um, you can do it on the screen. If you are viewing online, you can go to use your web browser. Go to wearetrinity.com forward slash checkpoint, and it will take you there. If you're using the U version notes on your phone or your device, you can go to the end of the notes. There's a QR code there. You uh, click on or point your camera to that code, you'll see the yellow code, tap that, and it will take you to the checkpoint. Now, if you go to, if you go to the, the checkpoint page and it, is, it gives error, uh, an error, just simply refresh, refresh a couple of times, and it should get you to uh, the place where, uh, where, where you need to be. If you want to use a physical copy, um, you are sitting in a row, um, and there is um, green sheets like this at the end of the row. If you, um, there are a number of these sheets. If you want to use a physical copy, someone at the end of the row, if you can just pass it down. If you look down the row and they say, can you give me a green sheet, pass it down. And once you finish this, you can drop it in the giving boxes outside. Also, if you say, well, you know something, I'm, man, I don't really want to do this right now. We hope that you will. We, we invite you to. Can't force you to, but we invite you to. Um, you can obviously take this home. When you get home, if you signed up for the top five, it'll be in the top five as well. You can do it once you get home as well. But we want you, we would love for you, we invite you to do it. Why? Because we love you so much. We want to help all of Trinity Church take our next steps to grow spiritually so that we fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. As Dave said, technology and all that we do is, a, is, is about disciple-making and following Jesus, being transformed by him and being on mission with him. So if you're there, I'm going to walk through this very quickly. And again, I'm not going to stop um, through all of this. You, um, you, again, you know how to read and you know how to kind of engage this. So it's going to start with your name, first name, last name, email, zip code, and your birthday. Again, just it helps us to know who is, uh, who is with us. 
If you're new to Trinity, question mark, either yes or no. Um, we know that there are individuals who've been here a while, and we know there are some individuals who are joining us uh, very recently. Uh, I typically join either in person, if you're, obviously, if you're in the building, you're in person, or I, I attend online, and we know there's a hybrid version. And then we have guests who might be, we had individuals for the first time, they were with us last service, and they say, like, man, I don't necessarily attend Trinity, but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a guest here, okay? All right, so, and then how long have you been attending Trinity? You see the list uh, there, um, zero to three months, all the way longer than seven years. And then we have a number of different ministries that we have at Trinity, and, um, and just simply pick your primary one. So here's a list from either I'm currently not serving anywhere, you attend Trinity, but you're not serving at all. Um, maybe that's you. That's your primary answer there. If you are serving primarily in one of these other areas, pick the one you primarily serve in. All right? And then now we kind of get into the meat and the teeth of the, of the, um, of the checkpoint. How would you describe yourself? And there are six answers there, all the way from, I would say that, Marvin, I'm not a Christian. I, I'm, 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 I'm really searching for God. And we know that individuals come to this building, they view online, and they're not followers of Jesus, but God is drawing them to himself. I'm not ready to cross the line of faith yet, but I, I, I know I can say that I'm not a believer, I'm not a follower of Jesus, either, but I'm close, but I want, I want to know more about what it means to be a Christian. And then uh, all the way down to, um, again, I'm a Christ follower, but feel very new in my faith. Uh, I'm growing in my faith, but need to start living in community with others. That's a real sign of a growing Christian is living in community with others. I feel strong in my faith, but haven't started serving or ministering. I've been attending Trinity but not serving at all, just haven't done that, taken that step yet. Uh, I feel ready, uh, but have not started leading another person in a disciple-making relationship. That is, I am growing in my faith, but I am not, right now, Marvin, I'm not helping anybody move closer to God. Um, and so that might be you. And then lastly, I am leading at least one person uh, in an intentional disciple-making relationship. What we mean by that is I am meeting with a person on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, or we're gathering together to pray, we're gathering together around the Word, and I am helping that person draw closer to Christ. All right, so and then right in the middle, a disciple is one who follows Jesus, is being transformed by Jesus, and is on mission with Jesus. And so that's the definition. That, that's kind of our framework. And then that question is, are you intentionally leading at least one person toward this goal in a disciple-making relationship? So are you helping someone follow Jesus? Are you helping someone be transformed by Jesus? And are you helping someone be on mission with Jesus to help other people follow Jesus? If yes, then check yes. If no, then check no. Again, no condemnation, no shame. This is really about an honest assessment of where, of where we are. So if you answered no above, uh, which answer best describes you? 
You say, man, I would like to learn how to lead another person. Sometimes people are not doing it because they don't know how. And so maybe you're like, man, I think I, I want to know how to do that. You can check that. I would like someone else to lead me in, a, in, in an intentional disciple-making relationship. There are some people who have been following Jesus a long time, but they've never been discipled by another person. So that might be you. And then I feel good about my spiritual walk, but I don't feel the need to lead or connect anyone else. And then lastly, I'm ready. Um, I'm already being led by someone in an intentional disciple-making relationship. So if you answered yes to the above, then describe disciple-making relationship one. The person, you don't have to describe the person, but where they might be. And it lists, they are not yet a follower of Jesus, but I'm sharing my faith with them. All the way down, it's time for them to lead others in an intentional disciple-making relationship. What, whichever one best describes your disciple-making relationship with that person, then check that. The second one is really a mirror of the first disciple-making relationship. We're not going to do that because it just simply says the same thing, all right? And then at the end of the checkpoint, may we send you some helpful information based on your responses. Again, we just simply want you, want to help you take, help me take, all of us at Trinity take the next step in our journey with Jesus. Some of this information, again, will be used just like you did for this series that we're doing now, it will actually help to shape and craft um, the diet, the spiritual diet that we will plan for the next ministry year so that we all might take, wherever we are on the continuum, take our next step as followers of Jesus as we grow in him. Friends, family, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of Trinity Church, the local expression of the kingdom of God here on earth. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this church, and thank you for taking time, either right now or when you get home, to fill out this checkpoint. It matters because we all want to grow. I believe we all want to grow in our relationship with Jesus, and I think this will help us take our next step and even provide tools by which to do that. Let's stand. Have a closing prayer. If you are here, you want someone to pray with you, our prayer team members, our elders are, will be up front to pray with you, to bless you as you prepare to leave. Remember, next week we're having one service as you walked in, you saw uh, it on the door, one gathering, one gathering. We will all be together, one gathering, and our very own Ann Cody will be opening the word of God to share what God has to say to us. Let me close us with a prayer. So, Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your creativity. Thank you for giving a little bit of yourself to us where we can imagine and innovate and uh, actually make out of already existing material tools that actually help us in practical ways. Thank you for the reminders, the framework that Dave gave us. Uh, we ask that we would ask the question, how is this making a kingdom impact? And if it's not making a kingdom impact, if it's repelling people away from you, then 
uh, we pray your spirit would teach us not to use that technology or to help us, give us wisdom to do it. We pray that as we look at our relationships and our physical health and our emotional health and our spiritual health, we would say, man, is it drawing me closer to Christ? Is it drawing me closer to other people? Is it, is it making me feel less anxious and more calm? Just simply ask that you would give us wisdom as we use all of these tools that you've blessed us with. Thank you for this church. And we ask that you would help us all to grow up in you. And uh, man, we love you and we want to grow in our love for you and for others. Uh, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.